Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. This is my good buddy, Randy Justa. Thanks for moving up. It is, uh, it's good to see eyes and faces. Uh, put this in my pocket. There. No. Okay. Well, anyway, Boogie, uh, I didn't realize that Boogie was trying so hard to get me to uh, mentor him, but I, I, I know he was making an effort to be friends. And, and the truth was, you know, that I, I uh, have been doing ministry for a long time, and um, I've seen so many people come and go. I think I, I was waiting, you know, the, the typical lifespan of a youth uh, worker is 18 months, and I was waiting to see if he'd be around after 18 months. So after two years, I, I, I finally said, okay, I'll invest in you, and uh, what a great investment. So love you, Boogie, and your family, and your church. This is great. Well, uh, <clears throat> this morning, I, I want to uh, look at the Lord's Prayer, and um, I'll give you a little background of, of why. Uh, a couple years ago, a friend gave me a book, uh, it's called Living the Lord's Prayer, and that was a very uh, impactful book, and I used the material from the book for a, uh, a couple of high schools I work at for their lunch club, and so for 12 weeks, I, I taught on how do we live the, the Lord's Prayer, so we're going to try to condense that into uh, uh, 20, 25 minutes. I had Boogie did, they do have a, a clock back there, so I'm going to keep it, keep it a little shorter than last uh, service. But the, there is a lot here, and so I, I pray there will be a lifetime of you uh, praying the Lord's Prayer, living the Lord's Prayer, learning the Lord's Prayer, uh, because there's so much in it. So I'll just, just skim the surface today. Uh, and, and, and as Jesus was talking to his disciples, um, they were uh, in Luke. I'll, I'll start with Luke. Uh, we're not looking at Luke right now, but in Luke, it's a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke, it says that Jesus was off praying, and the disciples saw him praying, and they came up to him and said, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? We know that John the Baptist taught his disciples, could you teach us how to pray? And then he, he said, you pray like this, and he gave the, the prayer. And, um, and then here in Matthew, we see it it's kind of the middle of, um, of the Sermon on the Mount, in my Bible, you know, I've got the, the red ink, and you'll you'll see uh, lots of red ink on either side of of, uh, of the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus, is, it's a long discourse. Uh, one, they saw him praying, and they ask him. The other, he's teaching, and he kind of this is the the center center point of the, the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it teaches us so much uh, how to pray, but also teaches us how to live our lives. I think it's probably, you know, uh, other than John 3.16, it's probably one of the most memorized passages in scriptures because in, in all different church tradi- traditions, people memorize the Lord's Prayer. Today, I'm, I'm amazed at how few people know the Lord's Prayer. I'm not saying today, today, but in this time of our, our uh, world, so many people don't know the Lord's Prayer. I would really encourage, if you don't know it, to commit it to memory not so you can pray the prayer, but so that you can refer to it as an outline on how to pray 
an outline on how to live your, your lives. So it starts out, and um, the, the first uh, section I want to look at is, is just prior to Jesus teaching us the, uh, the prayer. And he's, he's teaching us a little, little bit of background of, of what to do, what not to do. And so in verse 5, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, even before you ask him. And, um, you know, I think of this praying in, in public. I think it's, it's not only okay, I think it's good to pray in public. I think it's good to pray in uh, community. Um, I like to pray with people when we sit down for a meal. Sometimes they're, they're awkward. You know, you're in a restaurant. So could we pray before the meal? And um, sure, you know, and, and then we'll pray. And I'm not doing that because I want the server to see us pray. I'm not doing it because I want other people to pray. I'm praying because I'm really glad for the food. I don't know about you, but I like food. I just had some of that caramel corn. I like the caramel corn. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, it's just, I like to thank him. And, uh, but I think it's a little bit like, how do I compare it? Uh, you know, when you're, in a, in a uh, restaurant or a store, typically a restaurant, and they've got a little tip jar near the uh, register. Um, it's really hard. I find myself fighting sometimes. Do I put the tip in when they're not looking? Or do I wait until they turn around and I, and I you know, I put it. At Jersey Mike's, they have a bell. You know, you put the, the tip in. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever. Okay, okay. Um, but it's, it's similar. Do, do we pray just because we want to give thanks to God, or do we pray because we want other people to, to see us and think well of us? You know, so I, I think when we pray, Jesus is saying, do it for God, not do it for others. Do it, do it because of your relationship with him, not because you want other people to think well of you. That's the starting point. Don't pray so you get the glory. And so in the very beginning, he says, give the glory to God. Pray to God. Don't pray like the hypocrites. And then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I think I'll read it in its entirety and then break it down. Um, But he starts out, this is how you should pray. He's not saying this is what you should pray. He says, this is how you should pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then some concluding remarks. Uh, And some some translations have, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. If I read it through in its entirety, then I can break it down, save a little time here. But he he starts out and he says, um, uh, our, 
And I think it's very important that he, he, he starts with, with, with uh, the community rather than the individual. He doesn't say, my, my daddy. He says, our father. And, and the reason he says that is, is he wants us to be praying in community. This prayer would, would be recited aloud. Uh, but then also, when, I would like you to pray like this. Pray in community. Pray for each other. Pray with each other. I want you to be a communal uh, people and to pray for each other. So it's, it's community. And um, God never intended us just to have our own relationship with him. It's always going to be a community relationship. The truth is we cannot do it alone. We need other people to make it happen. There's so many things you can't do alone. The other day, it was kind of a play on a, a skit I've seen, but I was with my uh, granddaughter, Grace. She's five years old, just started kindergarten. She's precious. I could go on and on about her, but one thing I love about her is she rides her tricycle to kindergarten, locks it up in the bike rack with her helmet. Only tricycle in the whole stand. She's so sweet, she doesn't know how uncool and that is to ride your tricycle to school and lock it up in the bike rack. I love it. I love it. But, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the game that I played with her, you, you, whenever we're together, she wants to play. And I said, okay, let's, uh, let's play freeze tag. Okay, okay, good. Okay, you, you start. Okay, good. So I, I start running around the house, and she tags me, and I just freeze. And she runs around the house some more, and... Comes back in the room. Then she runs some more and she comes in the room. She says, aren't you going to chase me? I said, no, I'm frozen. Somebody has to set me free. <laughs> she didn't realize that's a game that, that two people can't play. You know, but prayer is a game that really uh, it was never intended for one person to play. You know, that, that when we pray, we're communing with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we're praying oftentimes with others. We are praying for others. It's, it's a communal thing. And so God wants us to be community. It's his design from the very beginning. It's, it's, it's who we're created to be. And, uh, and then the second word is our father. So the father of all of us. And, uh, and so we're praying to our father. And I, I love, uh, with the students, I did a thing, Who I Am in Christ. And it's about 60 different verses that talk about things the Bible says about us, but, but some of the things the Bible says about us is, is we are God's masterpiece. Of all the things he's created, we're the thing he's most proud of. Isn't that amazing when you think of all the beautiful things around us? We are his masterpiece. We are no longer his servants, the Bible says. We are his sons and daughters. He's our father. We're no longer his servants. We are his friends. You know, there's all these wonderful pastors that talk about who we are in Christ. And in the Lord's Prayer, it's saying that we are God's children. Our Father, Daddy. Um, we're addressing him. I love when Grace addresses me. She calls me Poppy. Uh, I love that, that name. It's, it's fairly common, but Poppy. And uh, I'm the only one she calls Poppy. Her, her other grandfather she calls Grandpa. So I am Poppy, and, and God is our Father. That is special. He's unique. He's not like your earthly father. And uh, I'm working so hard at trying to heal some of our kids. When I say trying to heal, trying to get them in touch with their Heavenly Father, 
to heal them from the broken relationships with their own earthly fathers. Two boys in particular, briefly, one is a runaway. God miraculously answered my prayers and allowed me to find him, talk with him, has brought him to our, our uh, lunch meeting and then to an evening meeting. And he was adopted out of Russia with his twin brother at age uh, nine or ten. His brother got in trouble and was sent back to Russia. He is now going through all kinds of issues as an 18-year-old or 17-year-old. And uh, the condition he has, RAD, my understanding is if he were 18, it would be called a psychopath or sociopath, you know, that, that he has all these emotions and he could kill somebody and feel no remorse. So trying so hard to help him to understand that God is his father, that even though his family had to be separated from him, even though the people he's with aren't his his blood, mother, and father, that they love him, they care for him. But I want us to know that, that no matter what your background, and mine was, was tough, you are God's son, God's daughter. You find your identity in him, not in your family of origin. Does that make sense? Our father. I am your son. I am your daughter. And I love that phrase that says, the fruit never falls far from the tree. The very first person that I uh, had the, the privilege of introducing to Jesus, I worked with in a nursery. Uh, and he had, he had been away. He had gotten a physical fight with his dad, had moved to Reno, was, was uh, like 16 years old, fake ID, sleeping with prostitutes, working on a, a ranch, drinking, and that's all he did. He came back to town. We're working together. And he... Um, at one, one point, after working together for a couple months, he said, Randy, he said, I want what you have. I want what you've got. And I said, what's that? What, what can I help you with? He says, uh, I want what you've got. You're happy all the time. You, you have something that I want. And I said, oh. Brady, I said, that would be Jesus. He said, what you want is Jesus. He says, I don't give a damn about Jesus. He says, I want what you got. And I said, Brady, if you knew me a year ago, before I asked Jesus into my life, you wouldn't be saying, I want what you got. You wouldn't want anything I had. It's because Jesus is changing me, you want what you see in me. And the reason I bring that point is, the fruit doesn't fall far from a tree. If we are intimately connected with our Father, people are going to say, like Brady, I want what you've got. You've got something I want. They see Jesus in us. Does that make sense? You know, I, I look at Little children, I go, you look so much like your father. You look so much like your mother. I hope that people say, you look like your father. You look a lot like your daddy, you know. And so as I asked last uh, service, you know, we have to ask, who, who's your daddy? You know, who is your daddy? And uh, let go of those hard things from the past and, and embrace your heavenly father. Our father who art in heaven and the... Uh, I think the real understanding of this in the, uh, in the Semitic language, uh, Aramaic that Jesus spoke, and in Hebrew, of course it was written in, in Greek, but uh, the whole idea there, the concept is it's the heavens, our Father who is in the heavens. And the heavens are the air we breathe is, is level one. The cosmos that we see is the heavens number two. And then God's realm beyond that it says that God could hold level two in the palm of his hand. So that's level three. 
And I think often when we pray this prayer, we think, Our Father, way out there. Dad, you know, way out there. And we need to understand that our Father in all three heavens, majesty, glory, and the very air we breathe. Jesus said the kingdom of God is in your presence. It's near you. I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Our Father, here, all around me, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. Uh, may your name be revered. May your name be held holy. That, uh, that we want to honor God. And um, that God is so available, and yet he's also so unbelievable that we, if we can embrace that nearness and the greatness. As, as I've told people, I don't think that my three-pound brain can ever totally comprehend the greatness of God. Maybe two and a half pounds. Yours is probably three. But uh, how do we understand the greatness of God? He's so much bigger than, than the biggest image we have of him. So it, we need to revere his name. We can't treat God like oh, God's my bro. You know, I mean, he is our friend. But we don't te- speak disrespectfully of him. We don't act disrespectfully. We honor him in all that we do. Our Father in the heavens, in the air I breathe, holy is your name. And then uh, it, it, he says, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I love uh, uh, John Foreman, Tim Foreman. And uh, when John came out with a solo album, I, I, and I, even to this day, I can't stop listening to it. And the song that, that we sang there, uh, Your Love is Great. Uh, I remember telling John, I said, John, you're my second favorite lyricist. Bono is my favorite. You're number two. And he took it with... with uh, uh, a big smile on his face, because I think he loves Bono as well. But, you know, in that song, um, he, he, he sings the Lord's Prayer and, and adds this beautiful imagery to it. Uh, but you, you pick up in the song that your kingdom is advancing. Your kingdom is advancing. It's happening. May your kingdom come. May it advance. May it infiltrate all of our world. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, if, if you saw my motorcycle outside, uh, I have this big sticker that I, I got from uh, Haleiwa, Hawaii. It's capital H, oh, I'll do it your way. H-E is greater than lowercase i. He is greater than I. It's becoming real popular now. When I started, everyone's going, like, what is that? Did that guy stop me on my bicycle he says, I get it. I said, what? He says, I, I see that, that you have a, uh, a bicycle with that logo on it. I see it all over on people's cars. I realize now it's, it's a bicycle manufacturer. And I go, no, 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 no. And so I, I have him look at it real carefully. And then I explain, I talk about the fact that God is in control. I'm not. He's greater than me. So it's really been a conversation piece as opposed to read the Bible, scare the hell out of you or... Uh, 
if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, it doesn't start a lot of conversations. This one really starts a lot of conversations. But in here, we're, we're getting the concept that may his will, the, the capital H-E, is greater than I. May his will be done, not my will be done. And that's part of conversion, is submitting our will to his will. I love what Jesus said in the garden prior to, to going through that torturous um, death on the cross. He, he basically said, Dad, I really don't want to do this. If there's any way that you could take this cup away from me, he says, I'm good with that. And then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And he did it. Aren't you glad that Jesus not only taught us to submit to God's will, aren't you glad that he also submitted to God's will? That he was willing to do the very thing he's teaching us to do, and he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, and all of us in our lifetime, we pursue our kingdoms, you know, uh, when women become pregnant, they develop this nesting instinct. They want a castle for their, their little ones to, to be nested in. It's, it's, it's healthy. It's good. If we didn't care for our children, we would be terrible parents. But it, whether it's the nesting instinct, most guys, when you meet them, the, the, after you get their name, the second question is, and what do you do? What's your career? What, what do you do? And, and basically, we're saying, what is, what is your kingdom? What are you building? You know? And, uh, and I think what, what Jesus is teaching us here is, let's spend our lifetime doing God's will, building his kingdom, and rather than trying to build our own kingdom. Uh, humility is part of it. Jesus, the one who created everything, gave it all up and came to earth. And if you, if you read the Gospels, every time a crowd would gather, he would either worry about... How are they going to eat? And he would do the miracles of feeding the 5,000, the 4,000. You know. Whenever the crowds would gather, he wouldn't go, I'm up here. He'd go, you guys, you guys have enough fish, enough bread? You know, he'd always thinking about them. Or he would just disappear. A crowd would gather, and he would go away to another town. It was amazing how incredibly humble he was. And uh, he was about building his father's kingdom. He wasn't even trying to build his own kingdom. Not my will, but your will be done. And then, some very practical things. He says, give us today our daily bread. I love the, the uh, lyrics uh, that John had put together. You know, looking at the birds and the flowers. It all comes from, from the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but look at the birds. They, they don't worry and God provides for them. Look at the flowers. There's no girl that's ever been dressed prettier than the flowers, even on her wedding day. You know, it, it, isn't the imagery great? No one looks better than on their wedding day, right? I mean, that's... Even the flowers look better than the most beautiful girl on her wedding day. And God does that. He's going to take care of you. And then John says, why do I worry? Why do I freak out? It's a great line. Why do I freak out? God will take care of us. He promises he will take care of us. He will take care of us. And I think of my own story. Uh, 
such a broken family, felt God calling me into ministry and went to a private Christian college in Santa Barbara, Westmont, and I had no business being there. I had $50 a month coming in from my dad. I went on faith. I would work weekends and put a few bucks down on my tuition, and some anonymous donor would have give $500. I'd go next weekend. Some anonymous donor gave $1,200. I'd go. Some anonymous donor gave this much. I graduated from a school that I know how much it costs now. It's almost $60,000 a year. It's comparable to when I was there. I graduated without one penny of student loans. $50 a month. Income that I could count on. I'm not saying God does that for everybody. He loves me more than anybody else. But (laughs) he did it for me. I hope you all feel it. You know how John, the Gospel of John, he said, the disciple that Jesus loved? I hope you all feel that Jesus loves you more than anybody else. You know, I have friends who said, I feel sorry for those poor suckers whose guardian angels are watching you because you, God has been watching over you and these other guys are getting beat up, you know. So I'm, I'm playing around with you a little bit, but do you feel how much you are loved? Can you say like, like John, well, I'm the disciple that Jesus really loves. I'm the disciple he really is crazy about. I feel that. He's crazy about me. Not because I'm wonderful, but he's, he's crazy. And he loves me so much. And so, give us this day our daily bread. Depend on him. I was talking to uh, someone at our service center. I said, why do people give money when they die? He said, I don't know. I said, I think it's because they're afraid to give it away while they're alive. They don't trust God. I want to give my money away now while I'm alive so I can trust God more. Does that make sense? I have had so much fun, my 65 years of life, leaning on Jesus and watching him provide. I don't ever want to get to the place where I say, Jesus, thanks, but I don't need you anymore. So this summer, I tried to give away my retirement money. I've worked really, really hard. Put all this money aside, maximize my employer match and so forth. Told all these kids they can go to camp. I, I was helping cover some of their costs and this and that. Only to find out when I tried to give my money away, I'm only 65 and I have to be 70 and a half before I can do it without being taxed. And all of a sudden, I couldn't, I couldn't give this money away. But the fun thing was, I had to pray and ask God, okay, God, I've been really stupid. How? And he provided He provided the money that that I couldn't provide. Does that make sense? I'm trying to give it away so I can depend on him more. I can't give it away, so I have to depend on him more. It just, it was fun. It it really worked. No more fun than, than being in a place where you really depend upon Jesus. So give us this day our daily bread. He's not saying fill our cupboards, keep us going for a couple months. And then forgive us our debts, other translations. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses, as we have also forgiven our debtors. You know the parable, man who's forgiven millions of dollars, then somebody owes him a few hundred, and he has him thrown into prison. And, and, and Jesus is teaching the parable, and he says, that's how the Heavenly Father is going to be with us. You have been forgiven Everything. I don't care how much of a sinner you are. Like me, you've been forgiven billions. Billions. How can you throw someone into prison who owes you a few few, uh, dollars? And so in here, it says, forgive us our debts 
as we, in the same way that we have forgiven our debtors, the same way that we forgive others. And then to just make sure we got it, he says, if you forgive other people, you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive people, you won't be forgiven. Elsewhere, he says, the measure you use to forgive is the measure that's going to be used to forgive you. Forgive liberally. Be very gracious in the way you forgive others, and that's how you're going to be forgiven. In my own life, if I ever have a hard time forgiving somebody, I just have to spend a little time pondering who I was before I met Jesus. I just have to remember how much I've been forgiven, and then it becomes very easy for me to forgive their little trivial issues. Does that make sense? Take time to remember how much you've been forgiven, and then give it away. And then, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Don't allow us to give in to temptation is another translation. Temptation will happen. Don't allow us to give in to the temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus tells us to put on the armor of God through Paul in Ephesians. Put on then the armor of God. Prepare for the battle. And uh, this morning when I, when I got up and I had decided I'm going to take my motorcycle because it gets better gas mileage, I can go in the express lane, all these other things. Um, you know, if I weren't wearing my motorcycle, I would be wearing shorts and flip-flops. But I don't wear shorts and flip-flops on my motorcycle. It's too dangerous. So I put on my helmet, I put on my Kevlar jacket, I put on my gloves, I put on my long pants, my wool socks, my leather shoes, and these even aren't good shoes. In a crash, they would come off. I should have boots, you know, but it looks awkward. Um, He's saying, prepare yourself for the battle. Father, protect me from the temptations. Protect me from the evil one. Protect me from the enemy. And I want to encourage us to make time as we pray every day. Do not leave your house without it. You know the old MasterCard commercial? Wouldn't I be stupid to run out of my house barefoot and jump on my motorcycle? And yet we have an enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, trying to devour us. And we go out there unprepared every day. We don't take time to pray this prayer and put on the armor. So he says, put on the armor. Prepare yourself. There's a war out there. And without the armor, you're going to be taken down. I used to have a bike shop. And I would tell people, do I need a helmet? And I said, you know what? You only need a helmet if you have something to protect. Um, I don't think you need one. You're fine. You're fine. (laughs) I have broken two bicycle helmets in accidents. I, I'd be a vegetable or I'd be dead if it wasn't for my helmets. I, I, you know, protect us, protect us. And so that's the prayer. You know, as, as it ends in, in uh, the expanded version is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's God's kingdom. Let's love and serve him. And then the beautiful... You know, interpretation of amen is yes. Let's live in a yes. Let's live saying yes to God. Yes, God, your will be done. No, not my will be done. Yes, God, protect me. Help me to be your light. Help me to forgive. Help me to pour out grace on other people. Help me to trust you. Help me not to worry. Help me not to freak out. Help me to be your person. And then use this prayer as an outline to help us to know how to pray. Praise God. Confess intercession, 
petition. It's a great model of how to pray. He says, pray like this. Don't, he didn't say pray this. Pray like this and then use it as a guide to how we live our lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, every day being new to us, every day um, lifting us in your arms, looking into our eyes and saying, I love you. You are precious. You are my masterpiece. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are forgiven. You are light. You are salt. Lord, help us to hear your words. Help us to be encouraged by who we are in you. Help us to prepare ourselves for the day ahead. And Lord, use us to bring light into the darkness. Use us to help reach out to those who are lost and to say to them, I found Jesus. You can find him too. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.